This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Sorry. How can you not bob your head to this? Of course you do. It's one of the best head-bobbing songs of all time. Yeah, this is T.I. before he went and did the bid. Yeah. Did he what? Did the bid. Oh. Went to jail? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. This is T.I. before he went to jail. (laughs) You know, I I told you that. I wrote that out for you. you. There you go. Where do you want me to go? (laughs) I like this. You teaching me words and teaching Smalls words. This is good. I knew that word. Oh, no, you didn't. Yeah, I didn't teach Smalls anything. Yeah. Okay, she's yeah. all cool. That's all right. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN <laughs> Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPNU, ESPN app, and all the great stations across the country. Two Monday night games last night. Let's start with the Eagles and the Bucks. The second one, the Cincinnati-LA uh, game. We'll get to it in a little bit here. Cincinnati won that game 19-16. Philly won 25-11. They're 3-0 on the season. And Jalen Hurts had two interceptions, but also had moments where I think he was pretty damn good as well. I, yeah. know, I know that people are looking at the negative here. Uh, DeAndre Swift was awesome, 16-130. He's been great this season. A.J. Brown, 9-131. And I think that Philadelphia, one of the things we learn about them is even if their offense is struggling, basically drafting the entire Georgia defense was really (laughs) smart. We questioned Joe Douglas, the general manager of the Jets. We've questioned Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Chicago Bears recently. Nobody's questioning Harry Roseman, the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, for basically saying, you know what I'm going to do? Draft the Georgia guys. They're really good at football. Well, yeah, he got the best player in the draft in Jalen Carter, who I think is on his way to being the best player on that team. And we're only talking about him being three games into his NFL career. Like The guy was an absolute game record last night. Beyond the stats, his impact is is something that is hard to quantify because he makes – everybody else's job that much easier. I get it. He had the sack. He had the forced fumble with the peanut punch when he backtracked and hit running back Rashad White. But also the play where the Eagles were able to get a safety, the reason why the linebacker was able to run through was because Jalen Carter was commanding a double team and nobody was paying attention to the linebacker. So I just think it's a situation where people have to acknowledge that this guy is as dominant as they get at the position when it comes to pass rush win rate for interior defensive linemen, he's already top five. Think about it. He has a 24.4% pass rush win rate as an interior defensive lineman. Aaron Donald, for context, has a 24.5% pass rush win rate for interior defensive linemen. So that's where this guy is. That's the kind of company he's keeping in terms of being a disruptive force. But I think the thing that makes him really, really good is his impact on what he can do in the running game as well and being able to generate negative plays overall toward opposing offenses. A team that went to the Super Bowl doesn't usually get to acquire a guy like Jalen Carter in the draft. And I know there was a lot of questions surrounding him heading into the draft, which is why he was available at that time for the Eagles. But to think that a player of that caliber gets added to a team like this is really scary. Shout out to the New Orleans Saints because that was their draft pick that they ended up acquiring as a result of the Trevor Penning trade a few years ago. So that's what made it possible for the Eagles to get a top 10 pick and be in position to get that guy. And I don't know that there was a better landing spot for Jalen Carter in the National Football League than bringing him into a locker room that had a lot of Georgia Bulldogs, a lot of guys that are former teammates of his, but overall just the right kind of culture with leadership from Jason Kelsey, Jalen Hurts, Lane Johnson, guys that have been there, done that, 
got championships. I think that matters in terms of being able to get the best version of him. And make no mistake, that's what we're seeing from him in the early going. Yeah, there's standards there. And you're going to be held accountable accountable, excuse me, by the veterans in that locker room. But I think the Eagles in general are scary. Not only are they have they started undefeated, but it really feels like they haven't played nearly their best football yet, that they're just getting going right now. And Nick Sirianni keeps emphasizing that point, that it's going to take a while for them to develop into the finished product that we're going to see. But imagine in, I don't know, week six, week seven, what this Eagles team might look like. I want to ask you a follow-up on one thing, because you've said all show long, CeCe, that you think there's a chance that Jalen Carter may be the best player on this Philadelphia Eagles team when yeah. it's all said and done. Yeah. Not, not when it's all said and done. I, I think he's on his way to being that right now. Wow. So That's how good he okay, is. Okay, let's, let's relate it to the Cowboys. When I say to you the either-or, you can either have Micah Parsons or Dak, you have made it very clear. Give me Micah Parsons. Yeah. Next five years, you could either have Jalen Carter or Jalen Hurts. Who do you want? I think I might have to go Jalen Carter. Okay, let me just I think I might have to go Jalen Carter. I I know it sounds crazy. I think I might have to go Jalen Carter. I do. I think it's I think it's easier to find a guy that can do what Jalen Hurts does, not from a intangible standpoint or a leadership standpoint, just on the field production skill set. I think it's easier to find a guy that can do what Jalen Hurts does as opposed to what Jalen Carter can do. The thing that separates it, the thing that makes it a little bit sticky, is the leadership intangibles and how that impacts the overall culture in the program. Like, Jalen Hurts is the one that sets the culture. I know we use the cliche, first one in the building, last one to leave. But that's a real thing when it comes to Jalen Hurts. There is no harder worker on the team than him. He sets the standard, and I think everybody in that locker room follows him. He's a guy that everybody can get behind in terms of having belief that this dude can help us win at the highest levels of the sport. It's hard for a defensive tackle to have that kind of impact on the culture. With that being said, Jalen Carter is as good as it's going to come when it comes to interior defensive line play and that guy being able to impact a team's overall success. So let me just follow up on this. You have said nothing, and I mean nothing negative about Jalen Hurts. You have basically given Jalen Hurts an A grade. Yes. But you are saying three games into his rookie season that we may be, for lack of a better comparison, looking at Reggie White. Because in order – well, no, CeCe, in order for us to ta- – for you to take someone over what I think is a top-five quarterback in this league, you have to find someone that is generational, that is irreplaceable at another position that could wreck a game – and you're looking at Jalen Carter, who, by the way, was supposed to be the number one pick in the draft, off the field stuff, which we don't know all the details about, so we'll leave those to the, to the law enforcement on that one yeah. um, to discuss that. But he was supposed to be the number one pick in the draft, dropped, got to Philadelphia, great fit, proven culture, winning team, doesn't have to do everything right away. You're saying that guy may be more valuable and better than a top five quarterback in the league. <sighs> See, this is where we get into this sticky conversation because it becomes a replacement over value, a, a value over replacement situation. And, and I think it's easier to find the skill set that Jalen Hurts has as opposed to what Jalen Carter has. But again, Jalen Hurts plays the quarterback spot. It's a leadership position by nature, and he's one of the best leaders of men in the National Football League. So I, I guess in the long term, it might be more important to have Jalen Hurts in terms of the overall sustained success. But I'll say this, man, that, that Jalen Carter guy makes it really easy to play defense, especially for the guys in the back seven of that Philadelphia Eagles unit. I just I, You look at Reed Blankenship, the turnover that he He's was able good. to generate. I mean, you look at some of the pressure that's been on that secondary early. Jalen Carter coming into his own is going to alleviate a lot of that. 
and create a lot of opportunities for takeaways, similar to what we saw with Micah Parsons in the first two years of his career with that Dallas Cowboys defense. Again, there's a reason why the Cowboys led the league in takeaways in back-to-back years. It's because of their ability to generate pressure and because they have number 11 on the field. Mm -hmm. I think that Jalen Carter can have a similar impact on that Philadelphia Eagles defense. There's a reason why this defense is leading the league in takeaways through the first three games of the season. So I just I look at it from the standpoint of the overall impact that he's having, not just his individual stats, but how he impacts the success of those around him. So Jalen Carter is 22 years old. Michael Parsons, who you love, is 24 years old. I yeah. give you a blank check 10-year contract. You have to give it to one of those two. One's two years younger, right? One is proven. The one who's two years older is obviously proven. The one who's two years younger has played three games. I'm giving you a blank <laughs> check 10-year deal. Well, it, Separate salary cap, so don't worry about that. Okay, got you. You're giving it to Jalen Carter or Micah Parsons? I'm probably giving it to Micah Parsons because of position versatility, but it's not by much. It's not by much. It's not by – I mean, think about it. You can't praise a guy more than you've praised Jalen Carter today. No, well, think about this, guys. Micah Parsons, like, for all of the great things that he does, there is a kink in the armor. It's teams running the football right at him. And we saw the Arizona Cardinals execute that game plan. I don't think teams are going to have a lot of success running at number 98 for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> no chance. That's no. not going to work out for them. No, no chance. So, I mean, I guess that's the part where it's like, eh. I mean, you can line Jalen Carter up anywhere on the defensive front. He's going to be effective. But Michael Parsons, he can line up in the nickel over a slot receiver. He can line up as an off-the-ball linebacker. He can line up as an edge rusher. He can line up as a defensive tackle in passing situations. We've seen him do it. So, I just think the different ways you can utilize Michael Parsons brings a lot of versatility, especially in a pass-centric league. But, I mean, again, we're talking about the slimmest of margins between these two players. And I get it. We've seen Micah for three years in the NFL. We've only seen Jalen Carter for three games. But I'm telling you guys, he's just that damn good. Outside of consistency, because we have to see it for a bigger sample size, do you have any questions about his game? No. Not one. Not one. Uh, not one. I mean, can, can you make an argument that there's somebody better on the Eagles defense than Jalen Carter? No, but I mean, no. <laughs> not I'm now. just curious through your eyes. If, not now. No, but him. I mean, listen, Jalen Carter, and I'm and I'm and I stopped short of going to Reggie White because Reggie White is one of the all-time greats to me. He's one of the top two defensive players to have ever lived, and he might not be number two. But I, I'll say this: it's it's like Jerome Brown. It's like remember when they had Reggie White and Jerome Brown in Philadelphia? They haven't seen a talent at the defensive tackle position in Philadelphia. Like Jalen, like Jalen Carter since Jerome Brown. Like that's how good this guy is. He's a special, special talent, and because he plays a position that not a lot of people focus on, and that has a lot of nuance, we're not going to give him nearly the attention that he deserves. But as a former interior defensive lineman, I'm gonna get this dude his flowers because I recognize game when I see it. That dude is a flat out baller. That is important. What you just said. Let's let's make this clear because what people are gonna do after Chris just went on this take that he just had here. What people are going to do is by the end of the season, they're going to look at his stats. His sack numbers are going to be low and his tackle numbers are going to be low. Both irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. When you're playing that position, you're never going to – it's like an offensive tackle. You're never going to have stats that are high, right? You are. He is wrecking games. He's setting up for other guys to sack the quarterback. He's taking on multiple blockers in order for the linebackers to rack up tackles. So I think when we follow this storyline of how great Jalen Carter is – 
we cannot look at the the typical numbers that you would look at for defensive players. He's not going to have a high number of sacks. He's not going to have a high number of tackles. And he's not going to have a high number of interceptions. You're just going to have to trust Chris and others who played the game like he did to understand how good this guy's value is. Because the average everyday fan like Smalls and I, we're not going to be able to see it numerically. Yeah, we just had Jeff Saturday on the show in the last hour. And I asked him, am I jumping out of the window? Am I overreacting? And his answer was no. Like Jalen Carter is on his way to being the best player on the Philadelphia Eagles offense, defense, special teams. Any kind of, any, however you want to look at it, he is on his way to being the best player on the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not saying that he's the most important because that probably belongs to Jalen Hurts, but he's on his way to being the best player on the team. There is nobody that is better at their job in Philadelphia than Jalen Carter is at his job. Coming up, was the risk worth the reward for the Bengals? We'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike. (laughs) On ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPNU, Sirius XM80, ESPN app, and all of our great stations across the country, including ESPN Radio 1530 in Cincinnati, the highlight there of the Bengals' 1916 victory over the LA Rams last night on Monday Night Football. And I don't remember a game in which a team that we thought was a legit contender, like Cincinnati coming into the season, took more serious three games than the Bengals took last night. Because if their record was 1-1 one and one or 2-0, and oh, there's no chance Joe Burrow plays. Yeah. They acted, for lack of a better term, guys, desperately in order for Burrow to play to, to save their season last night. Yeah, I think they looked at it as a must-win game. And we've talked about it ad nauseum since division realignment in 2002. There were 99 teams coming into this year that have started off 0-3 and and only one has made the playoffs, that being the 2018 Houston Texans. So I think them doing the math and recognizing our season is on the line is why they treated it as a must-win. But I still don't think that excuses them from doing what they did yesterday, which is putting Joe Burrow out there, because it's clear to me that Joe Burrow can't protect himself. Now, I think the way that they tried to work around the injury and his lack of mobility is getting the ball out of his hands. It's coming out in two and a half seconds or less, so that's great. 
But my question is, what happens when defenses recognize that this guy is limited? What happens when they decide to reroute receivers at the line of scrimmage and force the quarterback to hold the ball in order for the pass rush to affect Burrow? Can he manipulate the pocket in the way that we're accustomed to seeing him do in order to buy time? Can he escape from pressure? The answer to those questions right now is no. So when he's going up against a pass rush that's more fearsome than the one-man wrecking crew that the Los Angeles Rams have with Aaron Donald, what is going to be the result? That is the biggest question. Now, if you look at their upcoming schedule, it's a soft spot, and so maybe they can stack a couple of wins. But I'm wondering in this instance – are they sacrificing the war to win a couple of battles early on? It certainly feels like we're on borrowed time with that Joe Burrow calf injury. I understand where you're coming from and protecting their massive long-term investment with Joe Burrow. Yeah. You're saying they need to look at the macro, not just the micro. No doubt. But in the micro, you're looking at a team that's built to win now and that likely does not have a chance to do so if Joe Burrow is not out on the field. And I understand why they went out there last night with, with a sense of urgency. This is a team that has started slow in the past, but this start felt different. And if they were to fall to 0-3, I don't know if that's a hole that they could have dug out of. No, I think Joe Burrow told you it wasn't. Because if he didn't play last night and they fell to 0-3, then he's telling you that we couldn't have gotten out of that. By the way, they almost fell to 0-3 with Joe Burrow. You know, he had a very disciplined kind of I'm hurt game, right? He wasn't doing anything spectacular. If you look at his numbers, 26 of 49, 259 in a pick. Jamar Chase did a lot of the heavy lifting with 12 for 141. Which, by the way, side note, sometimes teams should be smart and realize if we have playmakers, let them make plays. We don't need to be too crazy in our offense. You don't need that many points to beat this version of the Rams. This is not your version of the greatest show on turf when they were in the loo. This is not even a couple of years ago when they had Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. This is a depleted version of the Rams, a different version of the Rams, and I'm not knocking them because I think they've done a good job so far this season, but I think the way in which they played last night was very intelligent, but they acted desperately, and you're of the belief, CC, not to put words in your mouth here, but I think that you're of the belief that this is a ticking time bomb with Joe Burrow, right? No doubt about it, because I've had a calf injury, and I know how tricky these things are, and it's going to be something that lingers all season long. And we've seen players in recent memory, athletes in recent memory, that have had calf injuries that led to more Severe injuries. I mean, the one that pops out in everybody's mind is Aaron Rodgers. Remember, he was dealing with a calf injury throughout the offseason, OTAs and minicamp, and what happens in week one? He tears his Achilles tendon. I mean, didn't we see the same thing in the NBA Finals with Kevin Durant That's in 2019? Yeah. That's yeah. where everybody's minds go. Yeah. If you have a calf injury, it can lead to something more severe because the athlete is compensating. And so that is my concern with Joe Burrow. And Smalls, to your point about a team that's ready to win now, what did Joe Burrow say? The window to win championships is as long as I'm here for my career. And so I don't think that it's worth sacrificing what the player is going to be in the long term for the here and now. And then when you look at the upcoming schedule, even if they had lost that game against the Rams, you got the Tennessee Titans, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Seattle Seahawks. They should win those three. Those are three games that you should win with competent quarterback play. Now, I don't know what Jake Browning is as a quarterback, but I, I'm just simply saying from this standpoint, what would it have hurt the Cincinnati Bengals to sit Joe Burrow last night knowing that he was dealing with that calf injury and he is a shell of himself coming off of the Baltimore Ravens game? It just didn't make any sense. Time and rest is the only thing that's going to hear this calf. Unfortunately, we're in the middle of the regular season, so I don't know how much of that you're going to get. But when you look at the upcoming opponents and you look at where their bye week is at in week seven, it just felt like this was a natural spot because it's a soft part of their schedule to get Joe Burrow more rest. Do you look at it at all the other way, though? 
which is, you know what? I'm, I would want this guy as my quarterback. He's a game. I mean, obviously you want him as your quarterback, but I'm saying, do you, do you learn something new about him last night? Like he's a gamer. He's going to play through literally anything. No, I didn't learn anything new. I already knew that. I mean, there's no way you can resurrect a franchise like the Cincinnati Bengals unless you have the moxie and those leadership intangibles that Joe Burrow had on display last night. Everybody in that locker room knows he ain't 100%. They get that. But the fact that this dude is willing to put himself out there is what inspires other guys to be the best version of themselves. So from a symbolic standpoint, from a morale standpoint, I get it, Smalls. It makes all the sense in the world. The thing that I don't like is the organization not protecting the player from themselves, and that's what you see from bad franchises around the National Football League, and I don't want Joe Burrow to fall victim to that. We saw him get cut in half in his rookie year against the Washington Commanders once upon a time, a gruesome knee injury that he was able to recover from. Nobody in the NFL wants Joe Burrow to be dealing with another major injury during during his career because he's so good for the Bengals and he's so good for the league. And so from a standpoint of being able to compete this year, maybe, maybe not. But the last thing I want to happen is Joe Burrow to suffer a significant injury as a result of compensating for that calf that makes him a diminished player moving forward. You have to trust the player. I know you say protect him from himself because we know he's a gamer. We know he wants to play. We know yeah. that it doesn't matter if he's 100%, 70%, he's going to try to go out there. But I also think he understands the long-term risk that's at play here. And I would imagine that the Bengals feel a certain level of confidence and trust in him when he describes the way he's feeling and that matches up with everything that they're seeing. If he says, I can go to this percent and this level, that they're going to trust him. Yeah, and unfortunately now, what are we going to look at? We're going to look at basically whether or not he gets hurt, right? Now we are at that place where we're going to look back this season as, is he going to get hurt? Was playing last night the wrong move? And is he going to potentially be out for the season? God forbid, out for a certain amount of time. And now we're going to keep an eye on not his play, but whether or not this injury is going to become something long-term because of that calf. And that is, that's unfortunate because that's now the focal point. They got the win last night. Their schedule is in their favor. But you know what? At the end of the day, there could be some bad blood between Joe Burrow and the Bengals as a result of that. Hmm, why did I say that? Find out next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM80, ESPNU, ESPN app, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, along with Michelle Smallman. Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Well, the biggest story from the NFL this weekend was uh, who was at the game. Taylor Swift, of course, there for the uh, Chiefs game. We also had Kelsey and Swift last night for the Eagles in their win with Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift. But who better than to give us a great recap of where these teams are after three weeks than Michelle Smallman right now using the star of the NFL, Taylor Swift. So let, thank you, Evan. Let me explain why we're doing this, guys. I don't know if you saw this. Since Taylor Swift went to the Chiefs-Bears game to support her rumored new boyf, Travis Kelsey, he gained 300,000 additional followers on social media and his jersey spiked 400% in sales. So you know what that means? The Swifties are coming to the NFL. That means we have a lot of new eyes and a lot of new fans on our show. The Swifties want to learn about football. And this is a safe space for you guys. So I'm going to break it down in a way that you can understand. Swifties, here's what you need to know about week three in the NFL. All right, first game, Dolphins and Broncos. Fun fact, I wrote little blurbs and then you'll, you'll hear it. The Dolphins head coach, Mike McDaniel, he was born and raised in Colorado. You might have seen the photos floating around NFL Twitter now that you're there. He was the Broncos' ball boy at one point. He was working his way up through the NFL coaching ranks. Two seasons ago, the Broncos needed to find a new head coach. But Mike McDaniel, he wasn't even on their radar. They didn't even interview him. So what did he do when he was facing his hometown team? I say he threw everything at him, but he actually had to hold back in a 70-20 to victory. This marks the most points scored in an NFL game since 1966. One might say Mike McDaniel is on his vigilante-ish. Mm. Oh, take yeah. that, take that. <laughs> See, there's so many things here. I thought it was karma. I thought he could be the anti-hero. And you went with the vigilante. Yes, I go, did. Going against his former hometown team. He might not start it, but he certainly tells you how it ends. Okay, let's move on to Brandon Staley. Chargers, Vikings, Swifty, stick stick with me here. You're going to learn about Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach. So in the game, fourth quarter, under two minutes to go, the Chargers were up 28-24. Staley gets aggressive. He goes for it on fourth and one from his own 24-yard line. The Chargers didn't pick up the first down. Staley gets lucky because Minnesota didn't cash in on the gift he gave them, and the Chargers eke out the win and move to one and two on the season. After the Chargers blew that 27-point lead to Jacksonville in the playoffs, many wanted L.A. to move in a different direction with their head coach. The Chargers started 0-2, and then Brandon Staley goes and makes a decision like this in Week 3. He is the problem. It's him. One might say he's the anti-hero. Hi, Brandon Staley's the problem. It's him. (laughs) Time, everybody agrees. 
Analytics aren't for you, Brandon Stanley. You should not be the head coach of the Chargers. It should be Sean Payton. <laughs> Next. That is Next. hilarious. All right, Swifties, we're going to the New England Patriots and Uh-oh. the New York Jets. Oh, no, I don't like what's ever happening here. It's All about right. the Jets. Don't okay, worry. Uh, so the Jets were the darling of the offseason. Swifties, you may have seen Aaron Rodgers and the Jets on hard knocks. They, they added a Hall of Fame quarterback to a loaded roster. We thought this team was in the playoff mix and possibly the Super Bowl conversation. That ends when Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles, and it's been a wake-up call for the Jets ever since. They were forced to turn back to the guy they deemed to not be the guy and former number 2 overall pick Zach Wilson, and in his second start this season, it's looking like things might get worse for the Jets before they get better. I guess three, two, 2.75 starts for Zach Wilson. He was 18-36, of 157 yards for the Jets, and I think if the Jets think they want to win with Zach Wilson as their quarterback season – with their quarterback this season, excuse me, it's only in their wildest dreams. Oh, yes, yes. Remember me? Aaron Rodgers should be the quarterback, but it is Zach Wilson. He stinks. People don't like him, including Joe <laughs> Namath. <laughs> hating on him. I love the Evan remix. In that here. is great, right? <laughs> the Evan remix. Remember me. Remember how bad I, Zach I Wilson was. <laughs> Remember how bad Zach Wilson was? Yeah. If you needed a reminder, the last couple of weeks should have given it to you. Uh, that's for sure. Oof. Well, speaking of reminders, Dallas Cowboys fans, okay? We, we started to believe that the Dallas Cowboys could win a Super Bowl, and reality strikes for the Cowboys. They started 2-0. Dak looks good. Check. Dominant defense. Check. No complaints about Mike McCarthy or the system. Check. Seemingly easy opponent in the assumed-to-be-tanking Arizona Cardinals. An easy 3-0 start to the season. Not so fast, my friends. The rug got pulled out from under Cowboy Nation. The boys lost 28-16 to the Cardinals. And Cowboys fans know this feeling where they think they've got a team, and then they disappoint them all too well. Hmm. I don't know this one. I have no idea. What? I'm out on this one. This is the Swifty anthem. Really? This is a 10-minute song. What's the hook on the song? It's the it's the ballad about all too well right here. It's the ballad about her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, so are we talking about the relationship that Cowboys fans have with their team that always disappoints them? They know it all too well. They know it all too well. They know ah, the disappointing that, feeling that all too well. Yeah, exactly. They get all pumped up, get all excited, and then they lose to what could be the worst team in football. Hmm. Well, yeah. actually, no. Arizona's not the worst team in football. The Chicago Bears. I was going to think about what you just said. Yeah. By the way, side note. A team that we thought was trying to lose is better than a team that's trying to win. And the Bears. Think about that. Yeah. Sorry, ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Think about that. That is ridiculous. That's karma, some would say. Oh, here you go. Not what's up next, though. All right. Packers and Saints, Swifties. The Packers chose Jordan Love in the first round of the 2020 draft. It sent off this massive ripple effect. It sent Aaron Rodgers to New York. He ended up leaving town. They needed Jordan Love to be the guy, and he celebrated his first career start in Lambeau Field by engineering a comeback. The rally helped the Packers come back from a 17-point deficit in the fourth quarter. They scored 18 points in the final 11 minutes against the Saints to win their 11th consecutive home opener. And it's looking like... Like Green Bay and Jordan Love could be lovers. It was a stretch. <laughs> what about love story? We could have gone there. It's no? coming up. It's coming oh. up. She needed to save that one. Keep it in the chamber. My bad. My there bad. There you go. Jump in the gun a Don't little bit. Don't jump the this. rabbit. All Sorry. right. My exactly. Bad. Exactly. I think the Swifties starting to understand football. I think they're in on it. Oh, yeah. Lover. All right. The Buffalo Bills. 
Rough start to the season. You oh, guys were torching yeah. Josh Allen, right? They he lost did, the home. He deserved every bit of it. He That's did. Right. They lost the home opener to the Aaron Rodgers Jets. He was picked off three times, Josh Allen was, by Jordan Whitehead alone in that game. Uh, the NFL world was questioning whether the Bills could ever win the big one. The team bounced back. They beat the Raiders. And then they went on in week three to beat previously unbeaten Washington. Josh Allen, 20 of 32, 218 yards passing. He and his team looked great in their all-white uniforms. And after the game, Josh Allen was asked how he felt, and he said, I'm good. I'm clean. You know what I realized? I don't know that many Taylor Swift songs. I don't either. I'm about to say, I know zero Taylor Swift songs. I thought I knew a lot, but I know nothing. That's what I realized here. I'm learning the Swift. Cece and I are learning Swifty stuff. And the Swifties are learning football. Okay. Next. I just think the irony of Josh Allen playing a clean game and still throwing an interception that he refers to <laughs> as a long punt. I know. Wow. Okay. Yo, you're not I allowed to do that when you Let's wrap this up, guys, with yeah. some quick hitters. I think you guys might know these. The Ravens fall to the Colts 22-19, but I expect them to shake it off. Play, 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 hey, play, play. Mark Andrews going to join us next hour. <laughs> he plays tight end for the Ravens. Lamar's team. Lamar's team. <laughs> the 49ers beat the Giants 30-12. to They look like the class of the NFC. Brock Purdy looks like man. Don't know this one either. I know the killer's the man, but I don't know wow. this one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Knee, appendix, calf. Joe Burrow always dealing with a training camp issue that leads to a slow start for the Bengals. He has had a string of cruel summers. Oh, yeah, I know this one. Joe Burrow played last night. CeCe said he shouldn't have. <laughs> Why can't the Bears oh get it gosh. right? Different regimes, different quarterbacks, same result. Did they, did they do something bad in their past football lives, post-85 Bears? Mm. It seems like they've got mm. bad karma. Mm. And God. Karma is Justin Fields throwing interceptions. Karma is the Bears losing and their defensive coordinator resigning. <laughs> How about Ice Spice's brother, one of the top quarterbacks in all of New York? Is that right? Yeah, she's on that song. Okay, there we go. Last yeah. one, guys. Taylor Swift, obviously Swifties, and Travis Kelsey. The reason for this segment, she was on hand to watch her friend, her man, her man friend, I don't know what we're calling it, and his team as the Chiefs beat the Bears 41-10. to The reigning champs are looking like themselves again. And as far as trailer, trademark, is concerned, we all hope it's a love story. Oh, there we go. And Travis wants me to where he can be alone. I just want to say Don't sing know if they're together or not, because <laughs> she's not wearing his jersey. They're not holding hands. Remax. I don't know if Travis really is her man. Oh, you sorry. rhymed I'm it. Sorry. You rhymed it. Well done. You won. I did 10 of those. I didn't rhyme one word. I, I, have, no, I, I, have, I have no idea what most of those songs were. The only one I knew was Shake It Off. That was the only one well, I you actually knew. That last knew. one. There we go. Love, wow, that love story there. That was there beautiful. But there I hope go. now, Swifties, you feel included in the unsportsmanlike sports conversation of the week and that we taught you a little something. That was a nice whip around using Taylor Swift songs for Thank week you. three in the NFL. Thank you. Well, was, done. well done, Smalls. There was a lot of songs left on the table. That girl's got a catalog. I believe that. Well, don't worry. We'll do it in a break. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift out the door and uh, Canty's power rankings coming in next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. <laughs> For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Russ got the pass. Straight drop. Fires middle of the end zone. Pick off. And that might do in Dallas. It's up. And it is good. Ball game. I-N-D-Y. Kick is up. End over end. It is no, no good. good. No, no good. good. Jubilation here in Green Bay. Cousins to the end zone. Up in the air and intercepted. Picked off by A.J. Epinesa going the other way. Blockers in front to the five. Touchdown, Buffalo. Now that the dust has settled on week three, it's time for Canty's NFL Power Rankings. Yes, it is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We get Canty's top five in the power rankings. Then we get Smalls' top two in the devour rankings, food she and the masses would love to devour. I also just found out that we're not allowed in our podcast, which is available on the ESPN app, to play back some of the music for all kinds of legal reasons. Yeah, so we sound crazy when we're singing. <laughs> so you and I are back from singing break. Taylor Swift. In between Smalls' week three breakdown, just you and I, mainly me, singing Taylor Swift without Taylor Swift underneath us. Yeah. I may rethink this moving forward. You want to hear what no, it sounds like without the music? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. You should Pat, not be the it. head coach of the Chargers. <laughs> it should be Sean Payton. No. <laughs> Next. No. no. Please, no. Oh, we, God. Listen, you're the one that said you don't mind embarrassing ourselves. That was so good. So, I, mean, I didn't realize it was still that level. It's going to be that bad. It's so yeah. bad, it's good. That's the thing. Lean into it. Embrace it. Me? You're worrying about that one? Yes, yes, exactly. I took my pants off on the show already. I know. Already and I still feel like hey, I gotta go to HR for that. Yeah, okay, so let's kick <laughs> off the power rankings. You gotta give me the music. Oh, the music is so good. Alright, number five. Number five. The Dallas Cowboys. Listen, I get that people are down on them because they dropped the game to the Arizona Cardinals, a game that they shouldn't lose, a game where it was clear that they felt like they could roll their helmet out and get a win. They had 16 penalties in that game. 13 of them were accepted. This team was 1 of 5 in the red zone, including a Dak Prescott interception and a turnover and downs in the late in the third quarter. And that is not all. The Dallas Cowboys got bullied from pillar to post. They allowed the Cardinals to rush for over 200 yards on 30 rush attempts. That that just can't happen for a team that has championship aspirations and a defense that prides itself on being elite. But that being said, this team is still really, really good. They still have one of the most dangerous pass rushes in the NFL, and that's going to allow them to survive the Trevon Diggs injury. Again, the biggest question marks about the Dallas Cowboys, the head coach and the quarterback, they, they brought those questions back up to the forefront with the loss to Arizona, but I feel like they'll get back on track, sorry, Ev, against his Patriots this weekend. No, I think it's fair to say, and I actually was rooting for the Cowboys for two reasons. Selfishly, as a Pats fan, I don't like them coming off of a loss. I would rather them coming off of a win, so I think you're right about that. But I am surprised that you have the Cowboys in the top five because you were so down on them coming off of last week, rightfully so, or this past weekend, rightfully so. 
Yeah, and Dak and McCarthy I trust, and that's not a good thing. I'm just surprised that the Cowboys would be on the power rankings after they're coming off a loss to the Cardinals. Yeah, but I, but I love the defense, though. I mean, it was up to the Cowboys or the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills' loss to the Jets was worse than the Cowboys' loss to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals, say what you want about them, have been in every single game they've played this season. They're tough out. Keep it moving. Number four. The Philadelphia Eagles, this defense is downright dominant. And the best player on said defense is Jalen Carter. And I know what I'm saying because this guy is only three years into his NFL career, but he is a game wrecker. Not only the plays that stow up on the stat sheet, which is the sacks and the forced fumbles, but also the play that he made where he commanded a double team and Nicholas Morrow, their linebacker, runs through and tackles Rashid, uh, Rashad White for a safety in the third quarter. Those are big-time plays by Jalen Carter, and it's going to be – even more disruptive as he continues to come into his own as an NFL player. But overall, the identity for the Eagles has been the run game. They ran it again for over 200 yards for a second consecutive week. They're second in rushing behind the Miami Dolphins this season. That has been the thing that they have hung their hat on since Jalen Hurts became the starter. Being able to run the football, being able to own the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I know the offense is a work in progress. New offensive coordinator and Brian Johnson, they're going to figure it out. I think the Eagles are awesome the crazy thing is is awesome enough in the nfc with some of the other teams specifically one in that conference there you go and we'll get to that one team that you're talking about later in my power rankings but number three number three the kansas city chiefs which understood ain't gotta be said it's pat mahomes it's andy Reid, it's travis kelsey it's apparently now taylor swift i don't need to go into a long dialogue about them they're the chiefs They're the champs until somebody proves otherwise. They're going to be in my power rankings until otherwise notified. Kansas City Chiefs number three. Keep it moving. Number two. The Miami Dolphins, the most explosive offense in the NFL. They're averaging 8.4 yards per play. They scored 10 touchdowns on Sunday. (laughs) 10 touchdowns, only punted once. It is unbelievable what they're doing. Perfect balance. Five touchdowns passing. Five touchdowns rushing. I mean, this team ran for over 300 yards. They threw for over 300 yards. Tua is running away at this point with the MVP. He's the odds-on favorite. And as long as he stays healthy, that Miami Dolphins offense is the most dominant unit of all of football. When we include offense, defense, and special teams, the Dolphins offense is the most dominant unit in football. But there can be only one team atop the power rankings. Only one. Number one. And that will be the San Francisco 49ers, the bullies on the block. I think they are the most physical team by far in the NFL, and somebody else is going to have to prove it wrong. I mean, when it comes to yards at the contact, this skill position core is the best. They're rarely tackled by the first defender. They're rarely tackled by just one defender. And as long as Brock Purdy can stay healthy, I got no concerns about it. The offensive line is probably the only sore spot. They've got to get some protection issues cleaned up, the communication up front, and dealing with some of the pressures that we saw on Thursday Night Football that Wink Martindale and the Giants threw at him. But I have confidence that Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, that offensive line, they'll get on the same page. Again, this is not a finished product. They're going to be a lot better later on in the season than they are right now. But as far as I'm concerned, the San Francisco 49ers, because of their overall physicality, are the kings of the NFL world through through three weeks. When we spoke to your former head coach, Super Bowl winning head coach, Tom Coughlin, he said that the number one thing he looks for in a team that could win a Super Bowl is winning the toughness battle. And I don't think any team in the NFL exemplifies that more than the San Francisco 49ers. Let me go one step further with you on this, CeCe. So you have them ranked number one overall, which I'm totally fine with. And I mean, I don't, I don't think just if somebody has a beef with that, I don't know how you can. Mm-hmm. But if I projected February now on you and I said the Chiefs, and Niners play in a Super Bowl rematch in Vegas. Who are you picking to win the Super Bowl? 
Ooh, I'm probably picking the Niners. Oh, you are? I'm probably picking the Niners. Because I think it's one thing to say that they're the best now and then to put them in the biggest of games against Patrick Mahomes to see what they would do, right? And I think it's interesting if the Niners and the Dolphins is such a juicy Super Bowl because of Shanahan Mm -hmm. and McDaniel and their relationship and everything like that. I'll take it to this point. Last year in the Super Bowl, we all went into that game thinking that Philadelphia was going to win in the trenches. That did not play out. The Chiefs' offensive line and defensive line dominated the Eagles up front. I don't think that that could happen against this 49ers defensive front with Nicky Bosa and Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead and Fred Warner. That doesn't happen against these people. They're not, they're not going to out-physical San Francisco. Not going to happen. With $41 million to spend this year in ooh, cap space, ooh. which can carry over to some Which extent. means they're going to get better at Correct. the trade deadline. Totally agree. All right, devour rankings. To counter the power, what's one and two in the devour of food rankings? Number two, chicken wings. You know that if you're going to eat chicken wings, you're not just going to eat a few. You're going to eat as many as your stomach can handle. Chicken wings checking in at number two. Number one, there's nothing that... Uh, starts a black hole in my stomach more than a basket of french fries. Devour rankings, number one overall pick, french fries. Listen, it's hard to argue either of those. I just think the chips and salsa, chips and dip scenario at a restaurant or at home, it feels unlimited. It feels like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I'll just eat the whole bag, the party size bag. Yeah, why not? Why wouldn't I just do that? That's Joe Burrow played last night. (laughs) Here's the problem that I have with fries being at the top of the devour rankings. Like, you have to put something on the fries in order to dress it up. Performance enhancer. You You have to have, exactly. You gotta have cheese. You gotta have bacon. You gotta have Dak Wilson. Maybe a little bit of ranch dressing on it. People don't like him. You gotta dress it up. Kind of like you dress up the Taylor Swift songs. It's gotta happen like that. I'm done forever. I've screwed this forever. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.